Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End. Outside Vicarage Road uh, on a Saturday where Watford have drawn 1-1 uh, at home with, with Rotherham. I'm joined uh, by Jason. Uh, good evening. A debutante uh, after all the debuts we've had recently. Uh, Adam Drury. Hi John, happy to be here. Good, good. And Michael, you, you come in, Mike? You ready? Yeah, I'm ready, I'm good. ready. I'm, uh, I'm not sure whether I'm going to come off my completely long run, but <laughs> I think it's more of a resigned run, so I'm going to sort of, a bit like Watford, I'm just going to be a sort of right arm trundler middle pace middle and you know yeah it's oh, feel, a bit, feel a bit flat after that but why because that's the thing because it was we haven't lost we weren't terrible we've seen far far worse i'll tell you why because we've played rotherham and blackpool in the space of two weeks here at vicarage road two struggling sides really really down on their luck uh and man for man nowhere near the quality that watford have available to them regardless of who watford have available in terms of injuries and all that sort of stuff we pulled it out of the bag just about against Blackpool, uh, and today we were completely unable to to put Rotherham away. I say put them away. We didn't even tee them up. Thought they found it far too easy to get in and amongst us defensively. They they had a really really good chance to win it late on. So did we. Coming up against a, I hate saying side like Rotherham. What you say now? Oh, no. <laughs> right, right, Jace. Yeah, the, the only reason, I know, the two reasons, two reasons why we didn't beat Rotherham today. One was. Geordie last night, I know he's not here to defend himself, but <laughs> tough. So using the phrase, teams like Rotherham, you just yep. knew from that point Very any good. chance of a win has gone up the M1. The other reason, I'm only, I only wear one pair of pants at a time. I've got my lucky New York Giants pants on for the, uh, the big playoff game tonight. Not my Watford one, so yeah, there we go. That's why we didn't win today. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> lucky pants and but bad WhatsApp messages. Rotherham aren't a great side. Let's, no. And, and they, they play a particular way, and again, Watford sort of fell found and looked the biggest question for me when watching that game in the in the first half was can Watford keep their heads not can Watford win the game it's can they keep their heads and stay in the game because it's not all eshousery from opposition we like to we like to sort of compartmentalize it and say that teams who are further down the division come and they do this they do that they spoil the game and there is an element of that of course and Watford summarily struggled to deal with it and that was the biggest worry that I had about the game and I think that tells you all we need to know about where Watford are in terms of how they're able to impose themselves on the on the opposition, and it's that's why I'm just a bit flat. I think I, I said it at the end. I'm just watching. I think you know Watford are fine. They're okay. They're an okay Championship side, above slightly above average Championship side, but they're not really showing any signs of being anything more than that. I don't mm. think. Adam, what do you what do you take of that game? The first half of games has been a real theme this season. We've really struggled to impose ourselves from from minute one. I know we started okay today. And we started okay last week, but. As soon as that goal doesn't come, it feels like we're just back into this kind of slumber until half-time. And I think we keep we keep needing to... Re- a match situation needs to materialise in front of us and then we react to it. And I think in the second half, we chased the game and then we were looking for the winner and we were pushing. But, I mean, I think it is a, it feels like a mentality, almost culture issue where we can't, we can't impose ourselves on games properly from the start. I thought the same about discipline as well. I thought... I didn't see it properly, but Dan Batman looked like he got away with one just before half-time when the heads came together. Mm. And I thought that was going to be another Hassan Kamara moment where we yeah. have a player let ourselves down just before half-time. But yeah, again, I'd say the first half cost us. We, we showed in the second half that when we took the game to them, they looked a little bit worried in defence. Well, um, I think you touched on it there, Adam. I think Watford actually started the game really nicely and they did start with a bit of purpose. Down the right, I thought um, Ferrer and Martins looked like they were linking up and... You know, I've said that we don't ask enough questions and, and as Adam was saying there, we don't impose ourselves on the opposition. Well, I thought they did to a degree. They looked like they were sharp in their movements. They were looking for passes. 
as many times as they linked up, there was a misunderstanding. Yeah. So as you'd expect for two players who haven't been playing long together. But I, th- I think for the first, however long it was, 15, 20 minutes, we looked like, OK, this is probably panning out how we'd hoped against Rotherham, against a team like Rotherham. Go on, I'll say, <laughs> I, I don't care. But then there was that break in play. There was the long break in play, quite rightly so. Head injury needed to be taped up. And Watford, we've seen it before, and I'm sure it's not... Um, unique to Watford, it's a, it's you know, it's a mentality thing. You need to switch back on after a long delay, and it's, it's almost as if that woke Rotherham up a little bit, and it allowed them to regroup. And Watford didn't really get going at all in that, in the second half of that first half after what was a, a vaguely promising start. Thing you look, you look out on the pitch at what we're able to put out, and it's like, okay, this is really approaching a team that we can get excited about, and a team that perhaps Sheffield United might have to worry about and there's certainly a team that other, other teams in the playoffs will worry about if you look 1-11 to 11 on, the, on the team sheet it's like okay we can do stuff with these guys and there, there were glimpses of that but as soon as that it's sort of as soon as the other team wake up and it seems to happen week in week out and realise that we're not going to absolutely be going hell for leather and peppering their goal and their goalkeeper's going to be diving right, diving left, ticking them up lo- lo- last ditch tackles from the, from the defenders as, long as, they, as soon as they realise that's not the case they almost all grow an inch, and that's when we shrink an inch. And just never really, for me, after that break, we didn't get going at all, really. Mm. Jace, For me, I, I think the problem is we weren't able to stretch the game enough. Watching the game, you, you see when we've got the ball, every player seemed to be in sort of a, a, a contained zone, almost sort of in, a, in just a quarter of the picture or, or a third of the pitch, and, and we, we weren't able to get behind or sort of stretch... At times, yeah, we sort of did on the right-hand side, but even then it was perhaps just a bit too slow and a bit too pedestrian to get going. And it just, just seemed to be congested. And last week we, we said how pleased we were with the new guys, the likes of Kone, with Martins when he came on, and we saw a bit from Spreer when he came on. Saar, of course, got man of the match, and we debated that last week, but he, was, he got it because he was the best player on the pitch last week and put in a good performance. All of those players this week we didn't get quite the same level of performance. And that's because I think they, they didn't have the space to play in. I think that Rotherham were much better at closing our, our key players down than, than Blackpool were last week. And it, and it just made them hard for them. And it, and it, it became a battle at, at times. And it felt like some of our midfield players, our creative players, weren't up for the battle when they needed to be. Yeah, they were. In, I think it were, you said behind me, Jason, next to me. Oh, no, you were next to me today, Jason. I was Jace. next to you today, yes. A bit different for us. Um, yeah, they, the. It was so, behind you then. <laughs> Someone that sounds like Jason, doesn't it? <laughs> influence, I suppose, Adam. And the players didn't have the influence. The, the, the defence wise, we saw Morris start, we saw same back, centre backs of, of Cathcart and Sierra Ferreira. They started and it was what we were expecting and generally their influence on the game was what you'd, you'd expect from them. Mm. I, was, I was happy that Morris started. I think, A, because I thought he played well last week and deserves it. I also think a message probably needed to be sent to Hassan Kamara yeah. and everybody else that you can't just get sent off like that in that way, so unprofessional, and then walk back into the team even when someone's been doing well in your place. I was happy he started, although I did think he played quite well in the second half when he came on. Yeah. Um, Ferreira, I thought, was really good. I think, was it Jace last week who said about the Yanmat yeah. comparison? Yeah. He really reminds me of Yanmat, and the goal reminded me of Yanmat as well. The way he, he actually drove towards goal and allowed the, run, um, the runner out to his right, I think it was Martins, and um, the, it's, you know, the space opened up in front of him. Reminded me of a few goals Yanmat scored for us as well, so I really like the look of him. Sierra Alta, I thought, was a little bit bragged, but um, Cathcart's been, been great this season and was yeah, accomplished again. I think Morris actually started the game really well. He, looked, he sort of seems to have fed off all that 
goodwill and the good feeling that's been around the place in the last couple of weeks really taking into account everything that that's been spoken about the debuts at Reading the FA Youth Cup win and then the win against Blackpool and and how it was achieved and I think he obviously fed off that and quite rightly so and I think you look really confident driving forward in the in, in, in that first half, I think he was a victim of what exactly what Jason was describing. We were not, unable to break free of the shackles, so I think the, the the sort of call went in for Kamara to to try and open things up a bit because obviously going forward he's a bit um, he asks more questions. He's he's got more of that in his, in his locker. I actually thought when Kamara came on, we lost control of the game. Uh, at, at the back, I thought we looked a lot more raggedy when when he comes on, and he, he has a mistake in him. He sort of Adam rightly mentioned Craig Cathcart there, who is just an incredible performer for us week in week out. He does he does exactly what you want a centre back to do. I will not have a word said against him. But and what he does amazingly is without thinking, judging the flight of the ball, timing his tackle, making it difficult for the for the for the opposition um, striker, Kamara four or five times out of ten it's it's a toss-up whether he's going to get there he finds himself out of position he misjudges the flight of the ball and I think what he gives us in going forward we we lose defensively in terms of in terms of discipline I understand why that move was made and I probably I probably would have waited a little bit longer to, to go for it but I, I don't know what you guys think I don't know what you think John about whether bringing Kamara on how that impacted the game I mean, largely speaking defensively I thought they were okay Ferreira I agree looks looks like a canny signing he suffered from every, something that all the Watford players suffered with bad touch and distribution far too many times certainly in that in that first bad touch sports speaking mean. relatively speaking it was always a lot of lot passes just a bit undercooked you know and it wasn't quite the every, all the ideas there and it just undercooked and it, the ball got given away but for me Kamara there was a, there was a moment where him and Saar were definitely yeah. in what you would call a defensive position the ball was played through and neither of them moved and I said to Jason it's lovely that they're both thinking about attack and not defence but not quite now he yeah I think last year we saw and we loved the energy and the energy did return today. I think he was much more energetic than, than Morris. But there is why a man gets sent off and be, for being wound up against Millwall. The discipline is, is a long, long, long way off. And it's interesting that that's showing in the Championship now rather than showing in the Premier League last year. And he, he well, I know he had a couple of weeks off, but he, he's not doing that reading the game where he would sort of pounce forward and, 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 and cut a, a ball that has been playing out, played out wide. And I think I do think he went on with a mind today of where I'm more attack than I am defence, and I'll wait for for three at the back. Can I, I just mention discipline, quick, just quickly before you come in, Jase? Because I think that in the face of that, what Rotherham were doing, I think who was it? It was uh, just it's Ferguson, wasn't it? Who went in so in the first half? Backman, there was a, a Rotherham player lying down yeah. on the on the ground. Yeah. Backman tries to haul into his feet. Uh, Rotherham 17 Ferguson comes steaming in pushes Backman over and I'm like right that's a red card yeah. Backman gets up pushes him down he falls over so it's gone from the opposition getting a red card yeah. to us getting it being two yellows which was probably the sensible shout from the ref I, d- I thought he was poor I thought he had another poor officiating display again today but that was the right call from the from the ref to, di- to diffuse that situation by giving two yellows Backman stays on his on his backside and that's probably a red and mm. Rotherham are down to d- down to ten and that, that's Backman does that a lot. He loses his temper a fair bit, and John, you asked in, in during the game that it could be five uh, yellow cards for Batman, all for dissent. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd probably, I'd imagine. Yeah. Well, so time wasting, I'd imagine. I guess. Yeah. Time wasting. So, because a, 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 a question about 
being tougher, you're going to go on to talk about midfield, but also just being cuter, just being much, much more street smart. We've, how many times have we discussed opposition teams coming up against us, playing in the margins, and, and we, we can't, don't know how to deal with it? Millwall, Rotherham, Blackpool, time after time these teams come, they're treading on your toes at corners, they're, whatever it is they're doing, and we can't deal with it. And we had an opportunity there just to show a bit of nous and potentially see an opposition player set off. So just discipline for me and a bit of street smart is something It's that like there's some pent-up aggression in there and we're channeling it in all the wrong ways, particularly <laughs> in that first half. Like You're waiting to see some aggression in the performance. And so like, I thought today, obviously, we missed those ball players. So to compensate for that, we really needed to play with a lot, of, lot more energy and intensity and aggression. And you don't really see it for particularly the second half of the first half. And then suddenly Dan Backman's on his, on his feet, like nearly headbutting someone over. And you think, like, where is that, where is that being channeled in the wrong way? Yeah. Um, and I thought that's exactly what happened with Kamara against Millwall as well. Like, yeah. where was that aggression in the performance? I'm going to go back. To Mike asked a, a question in his, in his uh, previous rant. Was it, rant? <laughs> I, I say rant by default, but it isn't always. No, Come on, yeah. we need to be fair to Mike. Sort of a question around about the change at half time. Like, the, the change that I would have made, I, like you, I think I'd have kept Maurice on. Um, I'd have taken Gaspar off, dropped Kone back yeah. and bought Spreer yeah. on. Because Kone, I, I thought he looked much more influential, we talked that word again, mm. much more influential in the game last week when he dropped deeper. And, and that ball, we didn't give him enough credit last week for that ball that yeah. ended up winning the penalty on the money for, for Martins. Just wanted to see him given the opportunity further back and bring a Spreer on, probably more of a natural number 10 than, than uh, Kone is anyway. And just see if we could stretch the play that way. So that, to answer your question, Mike, that's what I would have done. I'm surprised with Kone. He looked to get knocked off the ball quite a bit. And I know he's young and I know his, his footballing career is young. He looked to him and he, well, he was diving or he's just no, a bit no, weak? No, I think he did. No, not, weak, not weak, but I think he lost out. Okay. Quite a, a, quite a lot, which surprised me. I think I'm not sure. I don't know how you guys felt as in, in terms of the midfield as a as a whole. I think Chowdhury for me is just a, such a low key, incredible signing. Just to pluck him, just for the championship. I said, you know, at the top we're an okay championship side. Well, Chowdhury is one of the players that can elevate us above that in terms of his tackling with his. I love his uh, long barrier uh, tackle. I've no idea if it's legal. There's a bit of Kapoor in there. Oh, his little swipey legs in there and it's like, I don't know what they are, but yeah. If he's in my cricket team, I've definitely got him on the boundary (laughs) sweeping because nothing's going through his legs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in really interested in terms of to run through the midfield. I, yeah. I think Kona has a, has a massive pass. He is obviously a superb player, and I think a, a credit to uh, to to the recruitment team for getting I him in. We have to we have to remember as well. This time last year, I don't think he'd made his professional debut, yeah. Eddie. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you you, you, you kind of want to give him a bit of slack for that. Yeah, but Adam, what about the that midfield generally? Because like, suppose Gaspar is the the one who stayed on, as, as Jason sort of said. Aspria coming on, um, there are calls, of course, for him to start. And I was actually, DW, I, I questioned it in, the, in our WhatsApp group, and, and he said he started 16 games. I hadn't realised how much he's been playing. But did you feel he should come on earlier, or would you even you know, start him a little bit earlier? Because he, he came on today, particularly, where we weren't, it felt we were up, up against it a little bit more than we were last week. Mm. Yeah, it probably gets forgotten how much Aspria's played this season. I doubt that was in the plan when he mm. initially signed. I actually quite like him off the bench. I think he's better when the game gets stretched because um, he does struggle physically a little bit. But I did agree about bringing Kone deeper. I actually thought, even in the first half, he was kind of playing in front of Chowdhury and Gaspar, whether you could have played Chaldr- uh, Kone and Gaspar either side of Chowdhury down the right and left channels might have helped. So I thought Kone... I mean, everything I've heard about him is that he's more of a box-to-box, rangy midfielder. It doesn't really look like he suits that advanced position. And he probably gets 
less time on the ball and maybe physically that's more of an issue in there as well up against up against defenders and holding midfielders so yeah I'd definitely like to have seen Kone deeper and I think it was the right the right change in terms of getting a spree on in there when the game was stretched but I actually would have liked to see Kone given even if just a few minutes given a go deeper next to Chaudhry because um, Chaudhry I think as, as brilliant as he's been doesn't open the game for no. up for us in on the ball he's actually more of a five-yard passer win it back side to side um, so you really need someone in there who can a quarterback a quarterback yeah, midfielder, exactly. Jason, don't we? Imran loses. Another, yeah. yeah, another loser. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just one more thing on the midfield, and it is a negative, I'm afraid, but the, it was the goal. Three opportunities, I felt, to, to defend and, and get rid, do something with it, but not concede possession again on, in, in around our penalty area. One was Saar. Looks like he had the opportunity to, to receive the ball. Seemed to be on his sort of on the back foot a bit and let the, uh, the Rotherham play get the ball in front of him. Then Kone looked like he had a chance to to get it back to win it back. I think he got in front of his man, didn't he? And then seemed to yeah, and then and then lost it again. Like you say, sort of easily pushed off the ball. Then the ball's gone out wide, and I thought Martin's just got done too easy. Looked like he, he got sold yeah. too heavy one way, made it easy for Fossey to come back in. Whether it was a cross, whether it was a shot, whatever. Backman then had to had to make a save, didn't he? And I don't know if Backman would be happy with the save that he made, where he felt he could get rid of it further because as soon as it lands at uh, it's Ferguson wouldn't it I think the score as soon as it lands at his feet you, he's got a score from there and he does so yeah the defensive wise the, the, I felt the midfield could have done more there and that sort of came throughout the rest of the game as well Martins I felt doesn't quite like a challenge <laughs> just thought he could he needs to get stuck in more he, Bit of a rude introduction, maybe, to the championship yeah. for him, but he'll soon learn, I'm sure. I thought Gaspar was all, all right. I think we need to remember watching him that he's probably round peg square hole still. So, in, in that context, I want to say uh, oval shape, yeah. round hole. It's not. It's not quite okay, yeah. that bit abrupt. Of yeah, yeah, no, fair, fair, fair. Considering he, I don't think he's ever played in midfield before, he has taken to it quite well, hasn't yeah. he? He does look comfortable. Probably something to do with the Spanish background and understanding how you know understanding the game very well <laughs> yeah. um, so I think he's looked okay but yeah I mean now we've got midfielders fit Bakuna sat on the bench for the whole game I don't know how fit he was but um, yeah I don't think we'll see him there very well, that, many that was, times that was what I would talk about you know the fact that that midfield has got Gaspar in it who has played well um, in that position he's done the job let's say he should have scored as he well. Have, so a couple of times. A couple of times. That's, yeah. that's really that's a really frustrating thing about an Arsenal. Oh, like he's this. been a defender. He's yeah. playing midfield. You want to be a strike all of a sudden? Yeah, no. exactly. <laughs> well, he's oval. He can do whatever he wants. Can't he? <laughs> um, but I, I, it, there's a couple of chances. I think the, the the last chance that fell to him, it was just gagging just to be sort of drilled into into the goal. It was a really a really good opportunity and. Just frustrating that he he wasn't able to take that. I think he'll be he'll be he'll be disappointed. In terms of Aspria coming on, I'm a huge huge fan of Aspria. Very very excited about what he's going to do at this football club and throughout his entire career actually. But I actually thought he struggled a little bit today. Yeah, I think he was one that did make progress into the opposition box, but then wasted it. I he, think. But he was playing much wider, I think, than he normally he's playing. He found himself on the on the left a bit more and running in that way rather than doing that which is where he's helped on several occasions that slightly deeper ball but he's pinged it out he's done the quarterback role you know he's pinged it out and, and made something happen I, th- I think he kind of sums up where Watford's biggest problem is which is the it's to be clinical 
they're getting into good areas. He knows he's got the beating of the man. He knows there's a, probably someone arriving in the box, yet that last decision is, is incorrect or it isn't quite executed properly. And I thought on another day he probably would have created something and, and scored. He, he had that chance as well. Of course, he was falling off balance, wasn't he? And yeah. he just sort of managed to get it, get it away and it just went down, down, the, down the keeper's throat, which was frustrating but I just I feel like his performance summed up where we're at in terms of our goal scoring threat is for what we've got in terms of in in, in the squad even these days with with everyone injured our goal scoring threat threat just seems so minimal really Mm. and has done for a significant amount of time Adam the strikers Mm -hmm. Martins we talked a little bit about that we've bio it's I'm, I'm using the word better I'm not saying amazing. Um, and and Saar, Mike sort of said, we've lapped a little something. Yeah, and our only people we sort of brought on are people under the age of 18. Yeah, it was never really going to be a, a turnaround with any substitutions, but it wasn't really having any impact at all throughout the whole game. Mm. I thought, I think better is the word for bio. It looked like he'd worked on elements of his game that don't come naturally to him that we need running to off the pitch when he's being substituted <laughs> yeah. I think that was the first yeah, one yeah. And running yeah. yeah I mean when the, when that apologize <laughs> apology came out from the the club this week he's like ah right you're starting I was, then I think everyone in the stadium had their eye on him when that ball went up like <laughs> yeah. what's he going to do today yeah. and he made a very big effort to start uh, yeah hands above his head but to be fair I thought his hold up play and his link up play actually in the first in the first 10 15 minutes that we spoke about where we started quite well was a lot better there were a few times when he he took it in and then found a midfield runner either side of him um, it's, it's, it's difficult with him because the context behind his signing is so noisy and messy and I think that's the way he's always going to be judged if we brought him in for 500 grand and it was, it was well intentioned as a squad player and he was going to do little bits and bobs off the bench and come on and score the old goal I think we'd say he's done pretty well um, but he is no replacement for Keenan Davis or, or even Pedro in the way that they both take the ball and- Jason though, uh, Martins, we talked about you know he got stuff going Maybe that little partnership needs to develop a little bit and it'll be free-flowing and it'll be, it'll be wonderful. One, not even a full... Have we seen a full game, 90 minutes from him yet? But the two appearances he's had, definitely going to get something going from him and, and get something from him this running, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. There'll be games where he'll be more influential. Um, and we... Just going back on this a bit, we, we talked quite a lot this season about on another day. Mm. And that's why we are where we are and not up with the top two. Because we, we, it, it was just too inconsistent, isn't it? And, and again, we, we, even after a, a couple of performances from Kone, from him today, you can see already sort of inconsistencies in performance, can't you? You know, we've seen what they're capable of in such a short space of time, but we get in moments where they don't quite achieve. And, and perhaps some of it was them not being on the, him not being on the right wavelength with um, with Ferreira behind him, and sort of him making a run when he should have come short. Like I said before, there were times where he felt he needs to be, will need to appreciate that he'd be in more of a battle and that when the ball's coming through, you can't expect to sort of run behind and the ball to come through. He's got to fight for that at times. There were times where ball's coming, perhaps he could have gone up for a header. He hasn't. He sort of stood off and waited. And if he's going to be a key player for us, and I think we need to see more of that in his game there needs to be a spark for this Watford side here at Vicarage Road and when and you want that you don't necessarily want your supposed flair players going in and smashing into tackles you don't you don't need that but as Jason said there you do need the ball you can't just do that faint thing where you put your foot forward and then expect to sell a a professional defender at this at this level you're not going to get the calls from the referees either as we saw today and 
we, the crowd needs a spark. We need a supporters. We need something, I think, to, to get behind. And I think if Watford are going to make a success of this season, then something needs to catch light. And I think that needs to start on the pitch and it needs to start from that. We're seeing it. I think there is a togetherness out there. I think there is a belief in, in Bilic. I think Bilic is, is, is here for the right reasons. He knows, looks like he knows what he's doing. I don't necessarily think it is, it's not for the want of trying, but that we do need a spark and we do need sort of a, a percentage of those players to step up and learn fast. That's, that's the situation we're, we're in. They're going to have to acclimatise to the Championship a lot quicker than we might have expected had we been in a more comfortable position. But we need these players that we've brought in to really judge the situation, learn from what's happened. Martins is going to have to learn because he got a short shrift this afternoon, didn't he? He, he? If you'd have, if you'd landed and watched this game as a complete, complete neutral without knowing anything about anyone's background, you wouldn't be going home in the car talking to your mates about Mateus Martins. You, you just wouldn't. And that's, and that's against a team that is struggling. Mm. So, loads of caveats with that. But we do, we do need that spark. I think the, how you know, how many times are goalkeepers coming to Vicarage Road and thinking, "Crikey, I need a new pair of gloves." <laughs> not, not very often. It, it, it just. And that's you know that's the nature of the beast. It is it's fine margins in these in these games, but we're now 13 points off second, and three points away from ninth. So it's precarious, and we are precarious. And to, to be perfectly frank, we fluffed our lines today. All the usual caveats: players who haven't played in the in the championship before. We've got injuries. We're trying to get players back. So there are we know the situation, and I think Watford fans are forgiving in that regard, but. We come into that stage where we need to win five. Sheffield United need to lose five, and then we need to keep winning. Mm. And at the moment, is where are five goals coming from? Let alone five wins. You know, we're not terrible, but are we a team that looks like we're going to go on this incredible run? We've got Keenan Davis to come back in. We've got Jao Pedro to come back. We've got Imran Loser, and it's that is tantalising. It feels like you mess them together with some of the other people that we've spoken about today fairly positively for, for the large part considering we've drawn at home to Rotherham in a game that we all desperately wanted to win you get them fit and you get them firing then then it's, it's exciting but we are running we're already running out of road for those two, two promotion spots and that's frustrating and I think if, if we're going to make Sheffield United nervous there needs to be much more of a spark around this place. We need to be coming out of this place bouncing. He was great. He did that. Look at the way he harried there. Look at the way he bounced off the defender, got back up. And we're not, there's just not quite enough of that at the moment. Someone somehow needs to light the blue touch paper. And I think there's too many... This isn't a criticism. There's just too many people not going that real extra, extra yard. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. Lots of uh, turnaround of players uh, at the moment. Some of them don't cost us anything, Jason. Mm. Uh, another four, another appearance from uh, Toby with an eye uh, for us. Uh, Toby Adeyemo, uh, but also Michael. and Michael Adepoku. They came on, chasing the game. It felt light, but they're again. We it, it's lovely. I, I think I, I most definitely had a bit of a buzz around it. The whole you know, to at least Thursday uh, with that goal that that Toby scored last week. That positivity about those young players, it is, a, is an option, but you probably think it will quite fizzle out and, and get, you know, once the, the players come fit. Rich Johnson on the pitch at half-time, talking about that and then taking the opportunities. And I think that's a bit I liked. They, they are taking what opportunities they have to, to, to learn and to, to, 
show us that we, we might see you again later. Yeah, and, and like you say, you don't want it to become a reliance. Um, they're in because, as we know, we've got so many injuries, um, and it's great that they've got the opportunity. And like you say, Toby grasped his last week with that. I mean, and it was still an excellent finish, wasn't it? They had to sort of swivel behind him and, and, and yeah, sort of hook around with his left foot. Today, again, a, a big ask in a, another team who were there sort of to defend, to not lose, keeping things tight. And you can see, you can see the difference. You can see they're trying things, they're trying to battle, but they're still learning. They're up against wise, long in the tooth, maybe professionals, guys that are playing week in, week out. An example was that there was a free kick uh, given against uh, Adiemo, where I think he, he was probably being held first. But then you see the shirt go. You see he's, he's grabbed hold of the, the defender's shirt. Ref spotted that. Guy's won the free kick. That's going to go against you. He's going to. He's got to come. Well, if he's going to earn his crust in the game, he's going to sort of learn those things and sort of come wise to those things. So he becomes the uh, the wise old professional. I have my head in my hands. You talk about learning, John Adipoku nearly learned a really really bad really really <laughs> quick lesson at the end gave the ball away midfield Rotherham broke I think it must have been the 90th minute yeah. it was very very late in the game and it just goes to show that you, you miss out in the crucial area and you know even go here we go hashtag team like Rotherham <laughs> will will punish you and they were a, a different team would have beaten Watford today with the, with the chances that were given and you, you can't afford to do that I think it's worth lingering on it. Like Jason said, you don't want to be um, relying on these players, but it is great to get them on the pitch. Get them in a yellow shirt. Get them playing in front of a, a Vicarage Road crowd for their development. It shows them what they're working for. It shows them why they're working so hard. You know, These guys are balancing education, training and professional football t- together, which is extraordinarily difficult. It's, we have to give them credit. And to know that they're doing that knowing the odds of getting first team football not just at Watford but everywhere are, are small the fact that they're getting minutes is is really nice and you talk about what we need as supporters the, the blue touch paper being lit well that is one of them and it does it is rewarding for us as Watford supporters who invest so much time emotion and energy into this club and, and believe it to be a special place that these youngsters are getting that, that pathway creating good people who can go on and play at football but I thought Toby did well when he came on um, Adam will <laughs> learn. How important is it for you, Adam, uh, to see these players coming through? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's, it's, it's you know, growing up as a Watford fan, you watch these guys and you think they're the person, they're, they're almost what I still believe I can be. You know, particularly, particularly as a young boy, you know, Tommy Smith was the first one I ever remember at the age of, um, you know, I think he made his debut in 98, 99-ish, so I was four or five kind of the first player I ever fell in love with and there was something about him that was very relatable uh, you know local lad through the academy and at that age you're kind of thinking okay this is what I'm going to be um, that dream's probably over now to be fair but <laughs> hey, don't give up don't give up man <laughs> the 29 year old academy graduate um, no I think it's really nice and I think actually the impact of the Adiemo goal last week has probably as a fan base made us realise how much we've missed having players like that involved over the last few years we talk a lot about connection between the club and supporters that link getting to know the players and a lot of players over the last few years have come and go without us ever really knowing about them who they are um, and I think yeah if there's a lesson from this period um, where obviously none of these guys were going to be involved unless it was just a drastic situation which it has been if there's a lesson from this period it's that it's a big lift for the club just to have one or two of them involved every week on the bench getting minutes if they can 
um, I think we've kind of relearned how important it is to have that. Um, one player we were leaving, uh, it seems to be, because he was definitely doing a two-handed wave, yeah. is William Trustekong. I don't need to go to Michael and tell him what his problems were with William Trustekong. He went on about it quite a lot with his, <laughs> his distribution. Do you think there's anything we will miss about him, particularly Jason? I mean, it, it, you really hope that it's not a, a risk because, well, Craig Cathcart did go down for a little bit there and um, that's the most scariest injury I've seen all season. Surely there must be someone else coming in for that centre-back just, well because of the injuries we keep getting yeah you'd think so and and still don't know what's happening with uh with courtney halls they're sort of really different things on a day-to-day basis he, yeah he needs surgery doesn't need surgery villa want him to have it we want him to have it he doesn't want to have it we can't terminate his loan he's going back <laughs> i haven't got the foggiest so yeah you'd like to think you'd, you'd say the, the biggest risk is it's an injury isn't it that's exactly what it is and you, so you'd hope that there is another one coming in do we miss anything with Trusty Kong that we haven't got already? We talked last week about leadership. That is the is probably the one little doubt in my mind. There, there is a leader there. We know he's got experience of being a, a captain of Nigeria. When he's not on the pitch anyway, you're not getting that. But if if, if we needed to bring that in, that he does bring that to the game. And again today, Cathcart was captain, wasn't he? And again, half time when we felt we weren't getting the rub of the green it's not Cathcart talking to the ref it's actually Sierra today was talking to the ref but again you want to see something you, you, you want your leader to be there getting in the ref's ear just to try and give us that little bit of an advantage and you just wonder with Trusticon going does that take that kind of character out of the dressing room mm. I think if we're, if we're looking though, looking to the future as a football club and, and looking at our recruitment over the yeah, we're not looking at the future really are we we're looking at the next couple of couple of months no yeah absolutely but if you look at uh, take a step back and think about our, our recruitment and we recruit everyone that comes in needs to be in an improvement and for Watford to get better I like Troost. I like the, his commitment to the club. I like the, what, what Jason says about his leadership. We know what he's done behind the scenes. The last championship season, he led that meeting. I'm sure he's done similar here. From a community point of view, I'm sure he's invaluable. He gets the club. He understands the club. We want people like that here. He finds an opposition player more often than he finds a yellow shirt with his passing. Um, he, can str- he, can, he, can, he can struggle defensively. And... I lo- you know, I'd love the guy. I'd love to go for a beer with, with Troost and I'd wish him no ill whatsoever. And if he stayed, I'd be fine. But if we're looking over the next six months, year, 80 months, two years, to be growing as a football club and trying to right the wrongs of our previous recruitment, then we should be looking to, to get better players in, quite frankly. So it, you'd absolutely assume that, that a replacement is, is coming in. He gave the wave today. He's a goner. Um, Courtney Hall say that he's, like he's dying no of course he's, <laughs> well of course not but Courtney Hall isn't going to he's dead to me isn't going to play for Watford it's, it's evident he's 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 thrown a Benny on his Instagram as well with his with his posts he what he thinks he needs an operation Watford don't he's not going to play for Watford that's that that much is is clear it's that's that, that ship has sailed so what you'd hope that that gets worked out but with those two you know, on the centre-back slate, Courtney Halls, who was brought in with Premier League experience, as, as one of the looked like a canny signing, hasn't worked out at all. So you, you, you've got to bring someone else in. You absolutely have to. And it does feel 
that's why this season is so frustrating for me because we are getting glimpses of good players in yellow shirts at this football club. We just can't get the best 11 on the pitch at the same time. Yeah. Um, do you reckon the centre-back will come from um, maybe, I don't know, Portugal? Uh, no, what, Adam, what do you think so far? We thought about those two, yeah, the two Ferreira and, and Martins who you could deem to be the, the, the main signings we've had so far, getting there. Is it important for these last week or so we have of the, of the window? What's, what's the priorities for you? Well, I mean, if Trice de Kong's leaving, definitely a centre-back. I'd I'm pretty surprised we're letting him go this month, unless there's an opportunity to bring in maybe a young left-footed centre-back to fill that void, um, you know, for the future, not just this six months. But I think the stuff Mike uh, spoke about is important. Leadership. There, I mean, there was not a single player on that pitch today you would call a shouter yeah. who knocks some heads yeah. together, possibly accepts Backman, but uh, in goal it's hard to have that effect. You've got Cathcart captain and Chowdhury who kind of takes on a leadership role but again is quite I think more of a although he doesn't play like this seems like kind of shy quiet mm. uh, shy quiet guy really um, I think Trista Kong's had I mean as reported and clearly a big effect on the team off the pitch I think even when he's not in the team he's obviously an important member of the dressing room I actually thought he was playing really well as well just before the mm, World yeah, Cup he, he had was. that good spell uh, obviously scoring against Luton and having that great viral moment yeah. against Luton <laughs> and in that period until the World Cup I thought he was playing well and I was quite surprised he lost his place in the team coming back that doesn't seem very long ago maybe like a good offer's come in for the club and for him and we've kind of seen as Mike said obviously we want to bring in better players and the most important thing about a footballer is that they are a good player above all those <laughs> intangibles um, so maybe a good offer's come in and, and there's a left footed centre back out there who we want to bring in and that's kind of a good long term investment but I mean if it's just a straight choice between keeping him and not I would definitely have liked to keep him around for the rest of the season so yeah left footed centre back and obviously a midfielder I think is is the key for me even when we've got everybody back we lack I would say enough quality in, in the centre of midfield. I think a winger, I could give or take. Billich seems to want a winger and a forward. I think we've got enough players in those positions. I wouldn't blame the club for not, for not certainly not going big on a winger. But um, yeah, a centre midfielder, a quarterback like we spoke about to play next to Chowdhury, uh, as well as a centre back if Truce Kong's going. Yeah. I know one lady who would be very upset about Truce going. Miss Anne Swanson absolutely loves that <laughs> she man. Does. She, she absolutely does. loves that man. I think Adam's right to point out that we've. We're excited about players coming back from injury, but that midfield was light before, and we have added. But we do need—we just need that strength. We need that that power, that sort of dominance in midfield that's that's been lacking. But it's important to remember what we were like before all the injuries. Mm. We weren't—we yeah, we weren't yeah, yeah. setting the world on fire, um, but we have added. And it just feels like if we could have done the business we're doing now in the summer. It could be other teams talking about us like we're talking about Sheffield United and, and Burnley. And it feels, I'm just so frustrated. It feels like one of those, those sort of anxiety dreams when so, you can see what you want and it's right in front of you. You keep grabbing it and you keep, someone keeps chopping another inch off your feet. You get, <laughs> it gets closer, but you all get, oh my God. It feels a bit like that. It's, within, it's tantalisingly within sight what this Watford side could be. But it feels like this, are they insurmountable hurdles? to make this, this season a success that's the, the question I've got for me it feels like we might have given ourselves a little bit too much to do it sounds like we've got this striker coming in which I'm, by the time this podcast goes out may well be signed, sealed and delivered another youngster another someone who's going to have to adapt to the, the, the rigours of the championship very very quickly 
Hello, this is Mike with my now customary interruption of From the Rookery. And don't worry, I'll return you to your scheduled uh, listening very, very shortly. But I did want to stop at this stage because I've just heard from Aaron Barton. Now, Aaron is a Portuguese football expert. He writes for uh, the brilliant website Prozima Janada. Um, we'll drop the links to that in our uh, in our socials so you can follow uh, both Aaron and Prozima Janada and uh, read all about what's going on in Portuguese football. But you've probably guessed by now why we've been speaking to Aaron. Yep, that's right. But while it's not done just yet, it looks like imminently we shall be having uh, Enrique Arouge arriving from Benfica. Uh, and yes, Aaron, I've spoken to Aaron and he's tried to teach me how to say those things in Portuguese. So it is uh, Enrique Arouge and Benfica uh, with a little k on the end, not k as we would say it. So anyway, enough of my waffle about how to speak Portuguese and how to pronounce Portuguese. It sounds like we've got a really exciting player on our way from Portugal to Vicarage Road. Without further ado, here's Aaron all about our potential new signing. Hi Mike, Aaron here from Proxima Jornada. Uh, so the Enrique Arujo move to Watford, a very interesting one. One that has been spoken about quite a lot back in Portugal, particularly amongst the Benfica supporters. And it's a deal that the Watford supporters should be really, really excited by. This is a player that I've made no no secret of, of how much I like this player. And I think he's got all of the tools and, and all the ability to go right to the very top. I really do especially amongst the Benfica supporters and Portuguese in general, uh, back in Portugal, that he could go on to be the a number nine for the Seleção, for the national team. In years to come, it all obviously depends on how his development continues. And I think this move to Watford will be a real test, but it's a, it's a really intriguing one because he's moving to the Championship, which is a division unlike anything he'll have ever played in before in terms of the intensity, in terms of the just the sheer competitive nature. Obviously, he's played uh, and, and done really well in the Portuguese Championship, the Segunda Liga, but the Championship is just a step up in terms of the sheer amount of games, the intensity, this, this sort of... This, the nature of the league. It will be a test for him. But in his career so far, he's shown that with each level, with each step up, each progression, he's handled it just as well as he could. He, he steps up to the challenge every single time, whether that be playing in youth football, moving up to Benfica B. When he's came into the first team, he's done well. He's had minutes in the Champions League and scored. He's sort of ticking all the right boxes at the moment in terms of his development, and it's ticking along nicely. This will be as I say, uh, a, a very interesting move. In terms of him as a player, his, his main attribute, I touched on it a little bit before, but yeah, his link-up play, his work around the box, bringing others into play, uh, he'll go with a with a clever pass if the shot isn't on. But he is someone that, that thrives off service, that thrives off, off scoring goals, like like any uh, like any true striker does, and that's why he's been able to score so many in his young career so far. His finishing ability is is fantastic, and as I say, if he if he gets service, there's a, I've got no no doubts that he'll be able to just to fire some goals in and and keep Wofford moving up the table and hopefully into the 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 playoffs and um, hopefully gain promotion to the Premier League. I think he will. He's got a competitive nature to him, and he will be looking at this and thinking he's going into a team that sits at the top end of a division which obviously always makes it a little bit easier for the player rather than going into a club that's in 
sort of turmoil. At Watford, he'll be thinking there's a good group there. Uh, the, the, you know, they're ticking along well. And maybe they just need to score a, a few more goals. And that's something that he can hopefully rectify. Yeah, I, I think in terms of how close he is to the finished article, as I say, he's got everything that he needs to go on and be as good as he wants to be, basically. But it's all about applying himself and how he how he continues his development and does he keep passing these tests with flying colours? Because at the moment, he's he's ticked every box. He's passed every test. Uh, but this will be the, the toughest one yet. And I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how he gets on, to be honest. And uh, I wish Wofford all, all the best, to be honest. And uh, I hope he can bang a, couple, a few goals in and, and make the difference. Uh, it sounds like he, the, the idea, I guess, is that he's playing alongside Keenan Davis, which would work. Keenan Davis, we've shown, can do incredible work holding up the ball. Bakun has got away with one on this podcast, by the way. <laughs> we, never, we never really got to him. And, and, you know, he just can't hold the ball up, can he? And he was ploughing a lonely furrow today. I feel for him. He ran off the pitch today, so that's a, a tick off when he got substituted. But with um, Keenan Davis holding the ball up and, and new Portuguese wonder kid sort of being a little bit more nimble alongside mm. him, there's, there's opportunity there. And, yeah, you do wonder how many more there are to come in because the squad's pretty, pretty chocker anyway. Uh, but as always, it's going to be an interesting, um, interesting week. And as always, no one will be happy at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> Especially not you, Michael. Definitely not. We're the Orns. You're the Orns. Come on, you Orns. The Watford Archive uh, has had a facelift. Uh, a relaunch, uh, originally set up uh, by Trevor Jones, um, who unfortunately passed away a few years ago. Uh, but uh, Matt Rowson, uh, along with Steve Brown and Ian Grant, uh, have basically given a bit of a facelift and put a few fancy links in it. So it's a little bit more internet friendly. Uh, it was relaunched. I have lost several hours already searching through things. Uh, and before the game, I caught up with Matt uh, to talk about it. And uh, yeah, what is the new Watford archive? Matt, I am, I'm not a, a statistical football fan. I would love to be. I'd love to remember names and scores. So it, it's not within me, but apparently you've got a new online website that can help us. Yes, that's right. I, 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 when you say I have it, it's, that's not oh, yeah, yeah. strictly true. I, am, I have been part of rebooting um, Trevor Jones's Watford Archive, which is now online. Um, and available for everyone to exploit, hopefully, and to, in, to enjoy. It's something that makes us a little bit nervous, because we're sure there are, we've had plenty of mistakes before we told people it was there. <laughs> yeah. We suspect there are still mistakes, but nonetheless, it's a fine thing that we're very proud of. Yeah, I, I've seen it for a while. Someone pointed in my direction of it when it was being tested, and I have lost a few hours of my life, to say the least. And I went straight back and looked at my first season and trying to get some details about it and the, my first game and, and all the rest of it. What, what could I find out if I was a... Uh, a normal Watford fan, <laughs> which I don't think I am. But what, 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 what kind of archive is it? The archive contains details of every game that Watford have ever played. And for the most part, that's full lineups. Obviously, the result, what happened, implications. Also, pen portraits of, of every player to have represented the club competitively since 1881. And most of the heavy lifting there came from Trevor, Trevor Jones, who whose work was first published on paper in, 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 in books, if you remember those, um, in the 90s. He kept that up, he put it online, kept it up to date, and, and 
he was unwell before he passed away sadly a few years ago so our job was picking it up from where he left it off with his permission with his blessing yeah. and updating it what I always loved about his player profiles was the fact that John Barnes was there Luther Blissett was there they were acknowledged as you'd hope they would be but you had a paragraph on them and a similar length of paragraph on you know Fred Smith who played once in the Southern League in yeah. 1902 yeah. you know Trevor had found out that his, you know, his, his granddad was also the groundsman or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 he had. Yeah. So there's, there's all sorts of, of, of lovely little stuff yeah. hidden in there. And I'm, you know, I have been updating. There's been quite a lot to do as the players have come and gone over the last five years. There's been a few, I suspect I've been writing them at a, at a quicker rate than, than Trevor ever had to. <laughs> but but um, I'm, I'm trying to do him justice in, in following the same sort of um, tone as, yes. he, as he set. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're not, they are very... Um, they're not opinionated profiles at all. Um, they're, they're very, but they've got some gems in there, I think, and that's what I like about it as well. And you know, from what Ollie writes with Hornet Heaven and the stuff of the Watford Treasury, you know, it's, it was fun for me to sort of be able to go on my own and have a look at certain players I've heard, uh, and now in Hornet Heaven and, and what they're doing. So that's that's always you know to sort of see what their Watford career was like uh, and how long they played for, and not any statistic you can think of. It's not a hundred percent up to date in terms of. To the, to the game, it's sort of season up to date, isn't it? That's right. So we're, we're not quite bold enough to pretend to be able to keep it up to date game by game, as you say. So we're doing one end of season update where we'll hopefully update everything. So at the moment, it's up to date as of the end of June last, last year, and we'll do another update. Uh, we might correct any mistakes that we find along the way in the meantime, but we'll do, we won't update the site, update the results, add new players until next summer. Okay. That seems a lot more realistic. So no Toby Adamo uh, this week? Not, not just yet. We've, okay. we've, pen, we've created this profile, but it's not uploaded anywhere, <laughs> anywhere just yet. Well, uh, I had to disappoint someone this week. I won't mention his name, but um, someone got in touch saying, oh, this particular game in the early 70s, that was my first game. I'm sure it was Ross Jenkins that got two and not Billy Jennings. Are you sure that's right? <laughs> so, of course, I inherited this knowledge from Trevor and, and all the websites probably reference Trevor as well. So if Trevor did get it wrong, it's, there were probably ripples all over the internet. So yeah. that didn't help. But I managed to find on the old Watford website a copy of the following weekend's match programme which confirmed that, sorry, mate, it was Billy Jennings and not oh. Ross Jenkins. So I've shattered his illusions about his first game, yeah. sadly. But. No, I say I went back to check. Like, I, remember my, I remember the goal scores for my game. It was easy. They all began with B. Barnes, Blissett and Bartley. So I remember that. Uh, but the actual full lineup, I went and had a look back uh, and couldn't remember if the one substitute we had was actually used. And it was. It was Nigel Callahan who went on. So it is a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. Where can I, if I want to find it? Where can I find it? It's watfordfcarchive.co.uk and yeah, we're, linked to, we're linking to it all over Twitter, as you might expect. Jason, you're a statty fella. Uh, have you had a look through it yet? I've had a quick look. Yes, the, uh, the other evening I, uh, I had a sort of sneak through and seeing how I can sort of click through all the different links to get. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, and some nice little bit of formatting. I'm not, not, I'm not just a football numbers geek but I'm a bit of an IT geek as well as you know so it's, it, it is a thing of beauty make sure you have a look everyone yeah yeah. I, first thing I did as I said when I went back to look at my very first season because I don't really have great memories of uh, 1986 uh, Adam are you, are you a stat fan? yeah absolutely this is like the kind of thing if you had all the time in the world and all the resources in the world which obviously Matt does um, <laughs> I think he said a lot of hard work by yeah, Trevor right. they've just 
put a lot of work oh, they must have put a lot of work because yeah. that Trevor stuff was all in PDFs and that must have been to mm. convert to what it is now really hard no it's it's amazing I'm a bit like Jace I love the clickable it's a bit like football manager you know when a name <laughs> pops up you can always click through and you find yourself in some rabbit hole yeah yeah. I think for any Watford geek it's it's incredible I mean the number of hours I'm now going to lose quizzing <laughs> and testing myself on memory of old seasons and um, yeah no it's amazing yeah, so I've had a bit of an early look at it I got sent a link by somebody and I, several of the quizzes we've done on the, on From the Rickrend, that is going to be a resource uh, to give you guys some <laughs> wonderful quizzes uh, of higher and lower. <laughs> Mike? Yeah, it's just the sheer the number of ways you can slice the information. So yeah. all the different filters you can put in is absolutely extraordinary. And it, you know, the labour of love that, for these guys to, to, to do it. And to, I think it shows, you know, it's obviously respect to Trevor Jones and everything that he put in and the, the, the stats and the history that it was available to us thanks to his diligent hard work brought to life in a sort of a 2023 way is just um, is absolutely staggering but you can filter absolutely anything absolutely, yeah. it's uh, you know how many people have scored against Bournemouth and got sent off against Luton or something <laughs> like that it's 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 never ending in fact let's uh, let's we can put a challenge out there who can use the filters in the most creative way to find the most bizarre stat I reckon there's a way of doing it well the, the most yeah it was, a, it was called a Google whack yes. where you used to put two words into Google and you had yeah. to have one result I was say who can find the best one off yeah. someone yeah. who's done two different <laughs> totally different things yeah, yeah. find challenge. a one off a, a Watford whack let's yeah. call it that Matt and Ian you're excluded <laughs> I saw Matt before the game I sort of said to him I said how are you thinking about this and he said you know what I'm happy I'm looking forward to it because of what, what is going to happen the fact that we're chasing it and that's always a bit it's a nice place to be isn't it Adam yeah, the fact we're chasing this we're not trying to hold on to it that's a much more tent I think more well, tent mm-hmm. we were top of the league like Burnley in that game they played last night I would have been absolutely like stiff as a board because I was so tense about are they going to get the win or not how are you looking forward to the rest of the season yeah I am I mean it feels like maybe those top two are away in the distance I think Sheffield United have got a difficult run of games coming up but so have we I mean the next few weeks look pretty brutal for us it's hard to imagine we're going to be picking up maximum points or even that close to it brutally speaking so I think I think in terms of signings there is almost a a possibility here that we don't actually obviously we want our best players back fit and we want to get our best team on the field but actually we don't necessarily have to hit our groove straight away in terms of promotion this season because I think the playoffs are looking like by far the most likely route and actually if we can get our best 11 on the field for the last six eight weeks of the season make sure we get into that top six and then hit the playoffs in the best form we can that feels like it's going to be our our best chance obviously the playoffs are to some extent a lottery you don't want to be pinning your hopes on it but at the same time um, chasing down this gap is is going to be difficult and it does put pressure on games like today which you really need to win if you're going to to, to have lost ground on the top two when we've probably had on paper the most straightforward fixture of the weekend that really can't happen very many more times so I think in a way it's exciting because I think there is a there's a chance with everybody coming back fit that it just could all come together in those last few weeks of the season but obviously then you're going to have to go through the nerve wrangler at well two legs and then at Wembley to to be happy in the end there's a mix of Adam of really looking forward to something <laughs> know, but really dreading something at exactly the same moment happens, so it's the best way to do it right it is, it if is. we can get our best team flying for the last six weeks of the season and hit the playoffs in in the form we know we can then then this could be a very happy ending to been a difficult what's been a difficult season so far. Yeah. Middlesbrough up next, Michael. You know, everyone can look at games and results and they're playing well and blah blah blah. Unless something massively changes, uh, the new striker becomes the proper wonder kid. We just gotta to go to Middlesbrough and 
just try our best <laughs> for what, we, what we've got for now. Well, let's get you in the changing room before the game, John. I don't see <laughs> well, it's for right, like, I thought we were like village, to be fair. That's what we'll do it. Churchillian there, John. Can you, all right, Lance, can you just. But do me, you know, it's like what more can they do? And from what we've got and where they are and what today was. I think and there's yeah. more in the tank for this team. There is much, much more in the tank. As we've said, we've, we've, they are being cut some slack because of the situation, because of their newness to the, to the environment. But, as we also said, if we're going to make the, the rest of the season exciting, they have to step up. And what better place to do it? This is going to be, it'll be a noisy crowd at Middlesbrough. They're on, in absolutely fantastic form. They will be licking their lips, I imagine, at, at us coming up there to prove their... Uh, promotion credentials. We've been in the in the in the Premier League more often than they have. We're still seen as a as a scalp in this division. They will absolutely fancy their chances, but our team should as well. And as Adam said, there we've got a tough run of games. We fluffed our lines today. Well, you know what that means. We have to be doubly determined to go and, and do it in a harder situation next time. And perhaps it might suit these these players a little bit more. They can play the. You know, Watford are the underdog, really, away at Middlesbrough. If, if you're a neutral, you're not, probably not saying that. But knowing what we do about Watford, Watford do go there as underdogs. But it, perhaps that does allow them a little bit of freedom to set up in a particular way, to frustrate Middlesbrough and then try to bring our more creative players into it, try and spring that trap and get them into the game that way. So, look, they're going to have to. They're going to have to step up if there's going to be any, any question of making Sheffield United sweat. They have to step up, and what better place to do it against a team that's that, that's banging form? Personally, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they do against a, a better side. Yeah, because I think that might there might be a little bit more space. It might be closer, I guess, to a Premier League game in terms of the tempo and how the opposition set up. We've struggled in these sort of these sort of trench warfare games, haven't we? We've come up short more often than not, which is disappointing. Can they? Where there's a, perhaps a little bit more football to be played turn up and, uh, and perhaps cause a surprise I'm really excited at this stage <laughs> to see how we do and, and intrigued to see how Slav sets them up and what they deliver I think Keenan Davis is going to be back which is a, which is a big big um, a big plus especially away from home he can just drag everything we talked about the NFL earlier he just drags you 30 yards up the pitch away from your goal which is good when you're away from home and you never know what can happen when you're uh, when you're in the opposition half so I think he is He's massive in terms of his stats, in terms of goal contributions and goals, not as high as perhaps people might have hoped, but what he does for the side he's, is monumental, I think. So excited to have him back and massive, massive challenge, but bring it on. You think you'd think Munisborough would want to attack us more than yeah. Rotherham and Blackpool have done in, in recent weeks. So yeah, that will then hopefully create the gaps for our creative midfielders to, to be able to try and do something. Uh, thank you very much, Jason. Thank you. Thank you very much, Michael. Oh, no problem. <laughs> and thank you for your debut, Mr. Adam Drury. Thank you. Uh, and we'll be back, of course, after that Middlesbrough game to have some sort of powwow uh, about how Watford did up in the northeast. Come on, you all!